Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast here at FIU, Florida International University, um, for the creative curious. I'm your host, Genesis Caceres, and I'm very pleased to have artist Peter Soto, student Melanie Blanco, and student Victoria Acuna on this podcast today on December 1st, 2021. So welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. So before we begin, how would you like to be referred today? Like Peter, Mr. Studo? Peter, that's uh, Studle actually, Studle. It's, Studle? A, it's a yeah. heart, a long you. Yeah. Yeah, so Peter's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell us about a little bit about your day, how it's going, how are you preparing for tomorrow's event? Okay. Hey, so we're in uh, Coconut Grove right now at the Artistic Luxury Gallery. That's my gallery and I sh we show my works here and we show we're opening tomorrow uh, with an exhibition for Yanis Karelius from Athens, Greece. And um, I'll show you some of his works and some of my works. We've been prepping for the show, doing framing. Um, Yanis brought the paintings rolled up, so we've been uh, stretching them onto um, you know, stretchers, building the stretcher, the stretcher bars, readjusting them for the metric sizes that the paintings are, were originally placed in, and uh, then float framing them in-house here to accommodate the uh, various sizes. Did we just break up? Because I just got a call coming in. Does that break this up? No, it just, it removes the, the screen, like your picture, the video. It takes the sticker away? Yeah. Okay. So we can hear you. Let's go back. Um, so we're back now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so um, Yanni's brought the uh, canvases uh, rolled up on the flight, and uh, then we put them on, we, we build them to stretcher. Uh, you, you know, they're from Greece, so they're originally on a metric stretcher. Not that it's a big deal, but then we have to adjust to a local size and, and that's what we're doing now. And so let me see if I can get this to reverse image. Are you seeing the gallery right now? Yes. Yes. Okay, so here's um, here's Yanis's work here. Beautiful, beautiful expressionist type work. Vi uh, vibrant colors, a nice city scene here and uh, abstracts. And th this is the process we're going through and I'll show you a little bit of, um, here's some, so we've cut some frames to float frame them. We've done the stretchers already. We build them up because they're kind of thin stretchers. So we build them up to accommodate a thicker float frame. And uh, this is, we've rigged up a temporary workshop out here in the back, nice day to do it with uh, cutting up the bevels and, the, and then building up the frames. And we've taken the works that were in the gallery, a lot of them is, and put them, we rented a truck and we're storing them here for the show while we have the show of Yanni's work. So that's kind of the setting you kind of see. So you see the bowels, the, you know, how uh, this is a kind of a gallery studio right now. We tend not to do the work here because I have a separate studio in Coral Gables, but for the purposes of getting all this stuff done quickly and measuring and all, we brought the, some of the materials and equipment here. So that's the, that's uh, Yanis. Yanis, say hello. Hello. Yanis Corelius from, uh, Athens, Greece. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, and this, this is our chaos. This is our war room and uh, pizzas. Pizzas, of course, go flying everywhere. So there you go. That's the setting. 
And that's what we've been doing. And it's an exciting day. We're looking forward tomorrow. A lot of Art Basel opens today, tomorrow, yesterday. So this is kind of contemporaneous with Art Basel. And, um, uh, you know, it's not a formal fair, a satellite fair of Basel, of course, but we get some stragglers in. We have dinner nearby here. And, and we're just happy to be able to show Yanis's work during a time when uh, people are coming. And we're also doing tomorrow night afterwards, Yanis and I were um, founders and along with Christian Lane, Yanis and Christian were the operating directors of the Chicago Athenaeum Museum of Architecture and Design, and uh, which has now facilities in Chicagoland and in Athens, in uh, Helsinki and in Dublin. And so we're having the 27th annual architectural, American Architectural Awards dinner. Um, about a hundred of our best friends, architects from around the world are coming to um, Bellini Conference Center, the Bellini uh, Banquet Facility, part of Bellini Restaurant, and uh, over at the Mr. C Hotel in, uh, in uh, Coconut Grove. So we're also prepping for that as Oh, that's well. great. Yeah. Do you see me now or do you see the room? Yeah, we can see you for sure. Okay. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and then stuff. You know? That's besides our day, our day work, you know. <laughs> but welcome, welcome to uh, events, right? You've got to create the, the energy and the activity and uh, make them, and all of a sudden it's showtime, right? That's right. That's where we're at. It's very good. So like, now we want to get to know you as a person and like, how did you come about art and like, Ooh your career, you know, like background information, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I'll, I'll keep it clean. I'll, uh, just kidding. <laughs> um, born in Innsbruck, Austria, many moons ago. Um, came to Chicago as a, as a starting school. Lived in Chicago most of my life. Did uh, early on after college, I was a philosophy major in college. And, uh, you know, that's useful, right? Yeah. And um, I had a fellowship to, to do advanced studies, but I turned out when I was going to register for my, for my master's and my PhD program, the cab driver was one of my professors. Oh. And he says, it's rough out there. And I oh. thought, you know what? I don't like this that much anyway. And I went and got my job back and worked for another six years. So I became a lawyer in Chicago, practiced for some years, uh, segued into uh, financial services, corporate finance, a lot of real estate deals, a lot of... Um, Started a boutique financial services company, sold it for a lot of bucks, bought a hotel and some restaurants, too many restaurants, seaplane and all that kind of crazy stuff. And uh, then had to go back to work again after that fun was over. And so uh, family, you know, family is splintering and that happens. And so uh, my younger family with their mama decided to move to Miami. I, uh, I'm a little bit of an older dad to say the least. And uh, I said, I gotta be near these babies. So I went to Florida, to Miami and uh, don't have a law license here. Didn't really wanna practice law again anyway. And I said, time to reinvent. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 64, I painted my first painting. Oh. I'm, I'm 72 right now. And um, so, yeah. So in the, the last eight years, is it? Yeah, actually I was 65. So the last seven years, um, since 2014, I started making some prints. And, um, and then my kids said to me, dad, you know, you could 
do like real paintings, right? And I went, it would freak me out because I was doing okay, kind of doing the monotypes and uh, stuff. I invented this kind of cool press system. And uh, then they, I started buying, uh, you know, basically a 24 inch canvas, 36s, 48, 64, whatever, 60s, every two of every increment pre-made up to eight feet, up to 72.96. And I said, I'm gonna start small and I'm gonna just break through all the barriers and um, ended up, now I do uh, routinely do seven by sevens and seven feet by seven feet and things that you see kind of in the background here. Wow. Like that. So, so what, what drove me to the art world? I mean, I had a, I used to do lawyers for the creative arts in Chicago, uh, Christian, one of the co-founders of the museum. I was, I was the board member co-founder and operator of the museum. And um, uh, we were on the board of an art magazine in Chicago and, and then a lot of the pro bono lawyers for the creative arts. So I was exposed to the arts. I lived in an arts community for some years. And so when I got to Miami, I said, I got to do something that's uh, productive and interesting. And I said, I'll be an artist. Well, that's very, that's very interesting. Can you tell like um, by doing these artworks as such, uh, like after all these um, graduating philosophy, like can you tell like making these artworks maintain your young soul? Like doing my what? Artworks. Like doing these uh, artworks because of yourself, like telling you like, hey, dad, you, you need to keep moving on, on these artworks because they are great. Can you tell like if these are like a way on maintaining you like as a young soul and inspiring? Oh, as like, a young soul, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, you know, there's a, there's, it's an, it's a really interesting process because I don't come out of it from a, from a formal arts education, right? Exactly. But I look at a lot of art and I look at a lot of images. I go to Chelsea every now and then in New York to see what the big gun galleries are doing, all the New York galleries. And I spend a couple of day or two going from gallery to gallery just to kind of keep up. And then I, I look at all the fairs on the internet, um, you know, the openings in New York, the, the um, various art fairs around the world, the, Art Basel's we were in, and so I educate my my eyes, and uh, okay. so it's a learning. It's you know, I, I sometimes wish maybe I I know I know I don't wish I'd taken any art classes. Frankly, I'm sorry, <laughs> because the work the work challenges me to find new ways to express it, express art. I mean, so my visually I'm experienced with seeing art, and I drive I I find that I have to do something that is different. Otherwise, it's very bo very boring to me. Different that from other artists because why knock it off and um and also different so the work is not repetitive and that whole energy that you give to something is of course it keeps you youthful having teenage daughters at this age keeps me youthful you know so there, there's just the age is a a number that is irrelevant to me and okay. uh, as long as my body and mind hold up And really, one of the oxymorons in the arts world is a uh, emerging older older artist, having been involved with the arts at many different perspectives, from a consultant to a, now a gallerist to an artist. Um, it's not kind to the, the, the industry is not kind to emerging artists, emerging older artists. Okay, so you have to you have to you have to really establish yourself in a very, I think, uh, in, intentional, immediate immediate way. When you're coming at it as an older person without having the pedigree of an of a degree from a, you know a notable school and having all the uh, the school shows and then some early gallery group shows yada yada all the way through a museum show, but I'm making a living at it. It's working, you know. Yeah. So that's the proof is in it. <laughs>
and people love very it. Interesting, very people interesting. People say, oh, God, I love your work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a very pretty, like, interesting story, like, hearing from a, a self-educated artist and becoming, like, a really important and and having such a, a, a huge gallery with all the artists and having to wear a big event, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, I... I I don't mean to, you know, it's hard for me. I've always tried to be low key. Well, you did a lot of real estate development I've, and I've been in newspapers for other reasons, for positive reasons, but I've tried to put myself into a quiet, non, non-publicly existing life. And, um, but in the arts, you have to put yourself out there. I and mean, it's just sort of yeah. like, and I've really okay. trained myself to create a persona, you know? Exactly. The, other thing I, the other thing I want to just mention briefly, I don't want to hog every moment here, but is that what I learned well, I wish I would. I wish what I wish I'd learned earlier in life. What I learned through the arts, through self, through the self education and the self development. Every every now you get a reflection from somebody and they go, oh, okay. But you know, you have to push. You have to push through boundaries when you're kind of creating something new and different, and you're learning in the process. So you know, there's that adage that good is the enemy of great, right? Good mm-hmm. is the enemy of great because you pause at good and you never get great. So you know, you hear about artists destroying their old work you almost have to do that. You have to let go of who you think you are and what you think is good. And maybe maybe then when you do it again, you go down a dead end alley and you go back again, but you have to push beyond the boundaries. And you can't see, and then the, art, the arts world is a bit of an oxymoron that way because they want the arts world wants you to have an identity and wants you to have a visual voice, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that balance of while you're, in, you know, you don't want to be all over the place, but at the same time, Finally, after some going all over the place, unless you're just one of those really lucky ones that nails it day one and you're happy there, then you have to try different things and you get out of that comfort zone. You, you know, you, you, you break the mold and you start over again. Anyway, that's what I learned later in life. And it's a good lesson in, in any growth, you know, athletics, mm-hmm. you have more measurable things. It's hard to measure growth in the arts world, right? I mean, how do you know when something's really good until, until a gallery says, oh, that's great, you know? <laughs> yes. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So who is your inspiration in the realm of art? Do you have an inspiration and what piece of, that, of advice would you give others that are trying to pursue art? Well, my initial inspiration was to become productive in, <laughs> in Miami and in a way that I could transfer that skill elsewhere in case I had to move because of family movement and um, something that was rewarding not to create a you know, I mean, didn't want to practice law here again. So that was, uh, that was a basic choice to make. But the inspiration, I guess, is to, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta like it. You gotta, you gotta like it. You gotta like yourself. You gotta like the work. You gotta feel good about it. You gotta connect with people, you know, and you have to think your work is good. Exactly. Because that energy comes through to people. You know, the, the, the quiet, you, be, you can be self-effacing a bit and quiet, but you better think your work is good and, and convey that to people because they want something. That's yeah, good. like uh, like first believing in yourself so then others can believe in you. Yeah, you, there's a credibility. You have to have the language, you know. In a, where I lived in a, in a lovely building um, here in town, the, the fellow, the fellow, the, I'm not going to call him, the, well, the pool guy, okay? He, okay. Um, he says, you know, Peter, you got to believe, you got to have the language, you got to speak the words, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just not show the pictures. And I, and I realized he's right. I have to create the narrative. I have to create a language or the vernacular, whatever you yes. want to call it, to describe it, that narrative that connects the, the viewer. And it's part of explaining it, you know? So mm-hmm. it's an interesting, uh, you know, the arts world is, uh, people buy the art for three reasons. 
right? The lease, but at least they buy it because they think future value, right? It's an investment. It's obviously a store of value and the big guns, the big names have gone up fabulously over the decades, right? Yes. The other, the other is bragging rights. I'm buying the name because I've got a, you know, a Picasso or, or a Busquad or a Orlinsky or some kind of, you know, you know, Warhol kind of thing. So it's it's like that one of those. The other is they like your narrative. They want they feel your energy and your 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 connection to the works and to them. And the other because it's really pretty or they like the art. And what I find interesting for me is that nobody knows me very much. You know, they're starting to, I'm starting to build a nice collector base. But originally, initially, they've been buying the art because they like it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's no investment value. Most people who buy art will never recover their money from it, from most art, right? Yes. Um, just it's it, the, big, the big names and once in a while an emerging artist starts running fast and, and hot, but mostly art is not a, most average art is not a good long-term investment. But here, people are spending a lot of money in my gallery for our works they like, you know, because yeah. they think it's cool. And that's, that makes me think, wow, there's a future in this because they really like the work. Now I just got to put the rest of the package together. I think that's the greatest value, like, for for a peop, for you as an artist, like, uh, people, like, buying the art for only, like, on how it looks on, on their yeah. own, like, more than a name, more than the significance of it. Yeah, right. It's the it's the purest form. It's the purest reason to purchase right now. Yeah. And then, um, so I, it makes me feel good, you know, because they're 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 spending um, in the in the many thousands to buy a like a piece this size, seven feet. But mm -hmm. I look at it and say, wow, you know, I can make this thing and, and earn a living doing it. And people, you know, the other thing I had to make a decision on is what the happy making art that looked nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, because you know, there's a fine line between what the people consider as art good art versus decorative right yeah. and so you can do messaging art you can make people with their heads cut off you can do all kinds of stuff right mm -hmm. or, or you know I, i'm satisfied with making art that's cool that looks good that looks nice in their homes it's not purely decorative you know it's not something you see coming out of a out of an art mill in china but you gotta you gotta it's i'm okay with doing stuff that people say oh that's really pretty that's you great. know colors and texture there's so much to talk about because, you know, there's such a, a push away from pure abstract now, too. Of course. Right? And, and, so, for the moment, and for the moment, which piece of art is your favorite and why? And if there is like a specific memory or a feeling that transmit uh, this artwork for you. I'll show you one right now. Just so happens. I'm going to flip the, take these away. I usually don't stack in front of things, but right now we're obviously moving around and building. But I'm going to put the, make sure I, I want to go back to the, am I showing the image now? Yes. Okay, I call, this one, I call this cascade. Can you see the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So the lighting, studio lighting, it's not the best lighting. And especially now that we're moving stuff, stuff around. Um, push more light on this so what I like about this, is, is a couple of things. You know, there's also the, the, the dialogue that two-dimensional art is dead, you know, rather than like video or NFTs or um, digital, right? Mm -hmm. or, 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 you know, there's basically a static image is dead. And I challenge that because I say, you can't create this texture with, with a static, um, even with a video. And here, so this is, a, this is a kind of a conversation between the light reflection, the movement, 
you feel this this cascading movement mm -hmm. yeah. here over here everything's driving down into this this kind of this um, um, vortex of like power going right into that space and so it looks nice it's a nice piece it has a dramatic movement it's got a lot of reflectivity and light even the vignettes are nice you know little spots here and there so it works as a whole it works as a as a oh the individual parts of it look really nice so i'm very proud of this piece i think it's just a really good um pure abstract painting right yeah yes pretty awesome it's really very beautiful yeah in movement light texture now the other stuff that's kind of cool is because there's also a conversation in the arts between technology and art right as we talked mm -hmm. about so i take i have I'm, i might be the largest collector in miami of old tv sets so i've taken the um the flat screen tvs and um use them as a as the substrate for putting stuff Can you see? yes so this is these are all, these are flat screen tv panels reclaimed from from old tv sets and so you know what endures the art or the technology right i mm -hmm. say this is showing that the art pretty much you know <laughs> it it jumps jumps on the old technology so yes. the art will be around a lot longer than the technology but you see that kind of they've got a they got a good size collection of that and people like it people like the idea that it's on a you know a different kind of medium okay cool. yeah so and this is a kind of a softer piece you talk about. I like this one too from a different angle. This is just, um, you know, it's oil paint. I've, I've shifted more into oil. I don't do much acrylic anymore. Okay. Uh, but I, I just like the, you know, you get used to one medium, but um, this is oil, but it's nice, right? It's got a nice, yes. nice it's pattern. It's very quite colorful. Yeah. yeah, very gentle, very soothing, but still not dead. You know, I don't think it's artificial. It, it feels genuine to me. Yes. So, yeah, and this one's cool. This one's uh, this is a uh, kind of an Asian style to it. Okay. Uh, oil paint with uh, a lot of the background. I spend a lot of time on backgrounds. You can see the color transitions, and then yes. uh, three different kinds of dry pigments on it, and some silica glass, some aluminum, ground up aluminum. And then a circle kind of brings the eye focused, and then in that circle there's a little more kind of um, aquamarine blue in here, which creates more contrast more than here. So your eye focuses more on the center. You kind of see it, you think it's either a portal or an orb, something coming in or, in or out kind of deal. But it's kind of cool. I think it's great. That's yeah. a nice piece. This one has um, selenite crystals from Morocco. I travel a bunch, so I pick up stuff. Selenite crystals and kind of this downward movement of the colors and the, the media. I can tell like every piece have like a, a unique uh, characteristic, like Texture. most of them are colorful or they're like have a, a predominant, like a obscure like color. All, all, can you tell like, it's like depending the feeling you have at the moment on painting the, the artwork? Well, you know, when you, yeah, there's a little bit of, um, you gotta have, a, you gotta start the piece somehow, right? You gotta yeah. start, you gotta put the first, bit of medium and color onto it 
And then it's an iterative process, in my view. It's hard to sketch out, I guess, a guy like, um, like um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I'll think of it. Um, you know, some people sketch out their, their abstracts into a lot of detail ahead of time, but I can't and don't. But so I have an idea and I set aside the colors and the medium that I want to use and then I start to lay it out. And then, you, you know, it's an iterative thing. The piece speaks back to you, sends you, sends you, uh, um, you know, kind of tells you, you, you look at it, it tells you yes, no, in a way. It's not exactly like it's talking to you, but, mm -hmm. you know, okay. it's, a, it's a continuous creative process. It's not just the moment you start this creative, but the whole process is creative. This one's cool here too. See the top one there with the, the wires, okay. with the metal? Yes. So this is, you know, every artist, every figurative artist has sooner or later does a reclining nude, right? Okay, yes. Basically, right? Well, these are my, this is my reclining nude. <laughs> abstract, but, or nudes. I think it might be three nudes. But, or, or a mother and child, but you kind of, people want to see figuration it's interesting too people look at this stuff and then they say oh i see a face i see a head i see a that's see interesting that. what that happened yeah it happens a lot so people have to kind of find a find something they're familiar with but uh, yeah here we go so if you were to choose like one type of art that describes you as a whole what would it be like it doesn't necessarily have to be your art it can be like some other artist's art or you know it describes me. Yeah, as um, a whole. Oh man, that's you know that's a good thing. I should know how to say, answer that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say um, visually uh, expressive and interactive. You know, in a way, in your shorter, you know, eating the kind of bullet here, but um, I think it's uh, visually engaging and interactive and. Uh, constantly um compelling uh, you know i don't know it's an expression it's an express um expressionism of some sort obviously but i think it's beyond the typical abstract expressionism even like this this is like a reclaimed door with a reclaimed um aluminum grate of some sort floral grate and then uh, we threw some uh i went and got some bunch of pearls okay it's pretty you know so yeah, I, I can't give you a sound bite yet on what, what the, you tell me, you tell me, maybe it's better, you know, it gets to like, what do you name paintings, right? And I, yeah. and I pretty much, unless the name is like really in my heart and soul, I don't name them. And sometimes I ask the buyer, so what do you see? And we talk about it. What do you feel, right? And then we come up with a name or I come up with a name after that, but I have to listen to their, their feeling from it. And then they, then when I send them like the certificate of authenticity and all, I put the name on it. I had a couple come in from uh, after the hurricane in, in uh, Puerto Rico and they drove back past another gallery to have my work and they saw it in the window and they turned around and they bought it and they said, oh, and so they, they called me to come down right away to finish the sale with them. And they well, saw it and they said, we're just gonna buy it to celebrate. And they said, what do you call it? And I said, well, celebration. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, they loved it. So, you know, That's I just did a big one on a condo um right next to uh um mr jorge perez from the perez museum in the condo video next to his they, they look over each other's balcony and and uh and i i didn't have a name at first and we talked about the night it was black with some blue highlights and i said you know caviar by the sea and so <laughs> wow. it became, yeah. nice. and, that, 
and they loved the name. I was a little afraid of it. I thought, I don't know, you know, but uh, on the it, it was a good name. Yeah, you had to know the people and stuff, and, it, and it's the right name. So, yeah, it's all interesting, right? That's a very unique name, yes. <laughs> so, anyway, what else we got? See, here's some more of these. Um, here's some more of these panels. Look how cool that one is, huh? TV screens, right? So this one has in it. I go to Amsterdam, and I'm the guy who goes to Amsterdam to buy chimney soot. I buy chimney soot, and I buy some colors, some uh, pigments. You can, turn, you can turn the camera so we can see. Can you see it? Let's oh. see. Yeah. Is that oh, it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, like, this is iron. This is steel. Okay. You can see it oxidizing a little bit. Yeah. This is um, this is chimney soot in here. Right here, the dark spots is chimney soot. This is um, this is pigment from Amsterdam. This is from China. This blue is from Amsterdam. There's some more steel. I do aluminum oxide. Yeah, we'll measure that one up. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So, so that's what these are. Yeah. So yeah. Are you yep. currently working on any projects, or like, do you have any dream projects? <laughs> that's an understatement like carlito is laughing in the back like he's gonna be kidding we got him queued up for the next six months i was in uh, pittsburgh you know i it, it, i buy opportunistically it looks like something's happening I'm there good. you go you see yeah uh we were supposed to get a delivery of more framing material some molding but they, they failed to put it on the trucks so and now they're doing a special drop off because we've got the show tomorrow so you talk about like events right here it is we're mm -hmm. queued up ready to finish the framing and the truck i call the truck driver who i know and i say when you come in he says i've got any for you today <laughs> so okay <laughs> this will be fun <laughs> we have a technical we've got a new guys okay we'll get the new guy to bring it down you know? <laughs> um, new project i was in pittsburgh for example, and see this big one here, the um, the brown one with the metal. Mm -hmm. That's um, that's a reclaimed copper. Let's see. Let's see. Now they're calling me. Can you see? No. You can turn the, the camera. There you go. She keeps calling. That's from the supplier trying to get. Um, so th that's that's reclaimed copper. And um, from a from a uh, uh, a farmer, a country guy in uh, Pennsylvania, it was flashing on a roof, and he burned off the tar. Not environmentally friendly, of course, but he burned off the tar to kind of recycle it. And what's cool about it is it has um, you can see the red spots from the heat and the dark spots from the smoke and the tar. So the variegation here is really cool, right? So I bought it. I bought it there. Here's like wire and there's some stainless steel and some aluminum here. So I bought it because I thought sooner or later I'm going to use it for something. Here's all, here's like big one inch cable that I bought and took apart to get these, these copper wires. This is Marcellonite from Morocco. And I just was in back in Pennsylvania. I bought, um, it's very unique. Yeah. Right. I bought, mm -hmm. um, eight, 14 foot long, uh, 130 year old um, church organ pipes, wooden ones, they're big squares, they're not like metal, oh. but they're like one foot square. 
square, 14 foot tall pipes, square pipes of wood, wood shafts that have organ, have a reed at the top or some kind of, you know, where the air blows through and makes a noise. So I, I didn't say it was pain to get them down, getting the shipper to pick up because it's oversized and yada yada. But so I have them in my studio thinking I'm going to do something with them. I don't know what yet, <laughs> but I'm going to find a big tall space. Obviously, it won't fit here or in my studio, but I'll find a big tall space somewhere. So I'm thinking of renting actually a, a little warehouse for a month or two with a lease of 14 foot ceiling, 20 foot ceiling to um, build these build these into a sculpture, you know? Okay. So, that's so yeah, those are projects you just kind of queue them up. I bought uh, 30 rolls of, of um, old Japanese rice paper, the long calligraphy type rolls that are, you know, maybe eight feet tall, three feet wide and rolls out of uh, silk paper, not rice paper, silk paper. So it's actually silk. I've had them for two years. I'm going to do something with them. But I've decided I want to get better at something before I mess up 30 good rolls of really, you know, great silk paper from China. <laughs> you know? So I'm not ready to mess up. I'm not ready to challenge those yet. So, and yeah, you, yeah, I mean, I got I wanted to ask, like, what is your experience on not being satisfied with a final work of art? Like, have, have you ever, like, passed, like, hard times on, like, saving an artwork because of the final result you didn't, like, get so satisfied as you would? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've kept works back. You know, I don't put everything up for sale. So I, I don't view it as dissatisfied. I just say it's not ready. It's not of a quality. It doesn't fit, you know, something maybe more experimental to doesn't quite harmonize with the other pieces. It's a, it breaks the rhythm and the voice too much. So I set it aside and then I just uh, placed a piece that was beautiful. I changed it around. It was called, uh, it was a word art. It was called um, Forever Grateful, but broken down between, well, not, un not unlike this, but actually, can you see the picture? Yes. See, this is I caramba. I caramba. <laughs> All right, so it's word art. So I had forever grateful broken up like that into four lines, and it was pretty, it was pretty dead. And uh, but then I I I started, and it's something you just have to throw something at it. You just like, and that's the beauty of abstract, right? But you just say, okay, I'm gonna. There's very intuitive, instinctive thing. You say, okay, I'm gonna stick this on there, and then I worked it, and I worked it again, and I worked it again. Bang! It sold right away, and happily so. It was really beautiful. So the piece just wasn't ready, you know. I caramba has been sitting up here. It's a great piece. Why is it still hidden here? I don't know. Look at the look at the. I don't know if you can see them in this thing, but yeah. the detail the movement. To me, it's just beautiful, right? We but, can tell you have like a pretty like a, a self-educated eye on on details on the background. <laughs> yeah, I love detail. I love the backgrounds. You know, that to me, that's yeah. where you make a break a piece. So it's easy to do the front part. I can put these letters and all that kind of stuff. But to to really like this one here. This is one of my favorites. This is um, this is on panel. It needs to be shown more, nice. but it's got many layers of it's wood, wood panel. This is um, purple heart wood of cut, you know, a self-made frame because I wanted to do something more authentic than a okay. than a prepared frame. But it's uh, layers of resin with pigments, different colors, getting more and more blue. Some shifts into them, you know, a mauvey kind of lavender color and green. So the big. The background's cool. And then, <laughs> here's, 
So I brought this piece without all, without the circles, without this to a, a collector who bought two other paintings already. And they oh, I want some more red in it. And I was, we couldn't try to move it around. So finally, I took it back to my studio and I mixed up a, a um, mixed up a <laughs> cup of or a, a container of resin and color. And I took it and I said to myself, you want red? Boom, here's red. <laughs> and, uh, and then I thought, man, that was, that's beautiful. So then I put, put in some of this oil paint and it's all oil paint. So this put in this oil on here and rubbed it out. So it got caught in the crevices and got a nice little detail. And then these round circles, a little bit um, Kusama-esque, you know, Klimt-Kusama combination. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I love the piece. This one, I was up at Kayocho and a guy was uh, a crate that he had actually, it turns out was he, he sells surfboards. And this was the wooden crate that contained the surfboards and it was out in the street. And now being an artist, I look at what's people, what people throw away sometimes, a little bit like Russian, like Rauschenberg, you know? And uh, so that was, a, that was, that carried surfboards and somehow some way it became a, an, an aquatic scene, an ocean scene. Yeah. You got the colors, the breakdown. So, you know? Yes. I, who knows how this, how the mind works with that? So, yeah. I wanted, I wanted to ask, uh, because I don't know, this question is having in my mind. Uh, you, men you mentioned before about the NFTs. I wanted yep. to know your opinion on that because of this emerging uh, situation with the digital art. Have you been like interested on involving yourself on that or what's your opinion? Mm. On this? Well, um, it's not a well-researched opinion yet, right? So I, I reserve judgment on it because... Um, as you know, there's a difference between the art form and the collector value, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the novelty aspect, obviously, I mean, it's the first of when somebody buys the first tweet for a quarter million dollars, right? Yes. Somebody buys the, the uh, you know, Beeple's NFT, right, for 50, 69 million bucks, right? Because he did a mm -hmm. daily digital piece and I can buy them all the thing. And there's a certain, there's a first emergence kind of value to it, right? But um, so there's that collection. You know, obviously the, the numbers are stunning. So moving away from the, the, what is perceived as the financial future value of these things or the, the, the kind of the bragging rights to having the first of something, right? What okay. is the art form? I don't think it's much different than digital art. I'm, you know, I'm still a physical artist. I, I, uh, I have no skills and no interest in developing okay. uh, digital art skills. Now, having said that, would I, have I considered the thought of taking some of this work that has light reflectivity and, and texture and adding a digital interact, more not interactive, but kind of a more active version of it with maybe the light moving around. Okay. And, and, and I thought of, you know, it's not so expensive, a couple hundred bucks or so to create an NFT, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And I'm not even really interested in the royalty aspect of it, you know, continuing royalty on each sale kind of thing. But I thought it'd be kind of fun maybe on some of this work, like even that, that one, can you see it now, the, the gray one? You can turn the, there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that might have some, some interesting NFT value because you can, and that, it's not so much an NFT, right? That's just a form of, form of a digital art, right? Yes. So, um, with a blockchain aspect to it. So, but that could have some nice digital, you know, maybe some movement and some light moving around in those 
those copper lines doing something or the one here with this with the ocean the um the gold moving around so there could be a fun and i what i thought of doing was actually just adding it as a yes do you think that every artist like yourself like every physical artist should like start like educating themselves a little bit on these nfts because this like on how it's going maybe this will be the art of the future they're like building a, a history for the art so maybe like considering on moving their art on sort of way like you like an interactive more art on on the nft so they can gain like a value or do you think that uh, maintaining the physical art itself is um like helping as well on 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 maintaining the the history of art so we cannot lose the the physical interaction with it yeah no i i can see you know there's a there's a difference there's a difference and that's the sameness between an nft and and just digital art right mm -hmm. so yeah. digital art as i understand it is is a component of an nft right or a digital capturing of the image mm -hmm. is a component of it. so some of its digital art created on the computer right and mm -hmm. and are on the device and some of it is a, a maybe an, a a capturing the photograph of the artwork and then keeping that as a digital okay okay so then when you have, when you have a digital representation of the work whether it's internally created as a digital initially or just a photo or a, copy of the image that you've created physically then you have okay an nft from that and if nft says okay i can do a couple of things with the nft i can i can authenticate ownership right mm -hmm. well from a physical aspect of the art there's there's no question you can otherwise authenticate ownership you know what i do when i sell a piece i say look i want you i give them a certificate of authority or of, of um, authenticity and then i also say you take a picture of me standing next to this artwork Now that tells you very strong. I know that this is the artwork and you're buying it, right? Yeah. So I give I give everybody a picture of me with the artwork together, and uh, there's plenty of so the authenticity part is okay from my physical creating a document and a visual image of it, and then um, you know another aspect of the NFT is is capturing a royalty every time you transfer ownership of the NFT. So some artists will tag on to get the NFT to actually transfer to a new a new wallet. You have to you have to pay a royalty back mm -hmm. of 10 or 20% of the sale price back to the original artist. So it's a way to continue royalties on each sale. That that's how I see it. But I think there's a sex appeal now to the 10 NFT because it's all this like buzz about NFT, NFT, NFT. But when you break it down, it's um, if you're not gonna worry about the royalties and you're not concerned about the long-term authenticity issues, sure, capturing the image, you can capture the image with your photo with your iPhone, right? Yes. Or your smartphone or camera. So I think there's a little bit of, a, you know, what are you really doing it for? What's the real function you're trying to accomplish with it kind of deal? Yeah. I think there's that question. So I think hmm? this concludes the interview. So <laughs> I want to thank you for joining us so much. Um, thank you. I hope Victoria, I gave you. Melanie, Peter. I really appreciate it. This concludes Exploring Art Podcast. Please subscribe to the Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, thank you for listening. Please join us soon. And remember to stay curious. Thank, thank you. you very much, Mr. Sarah. It was pretty interesting seeing your gallery and all your artworks. Yeah.
I think they are pretty colorful, unique. They have like not a history, but the background of the of the artists. I think is such a great value on seeing how these artworks come from. Thank you. Thanks. Pleasure being with you. Thank you so much. Hopefully, hopefully one Thank day you. we can go and visit. <laughs> yeah, come visit. Yeah, anybody can come visit. Wait, the address, 3170 Commodore Plaza, Coral Gate. Yeah, I think I have it in the email. Okay, yeah, yeah. Coconut Grove, Miami. Okay, ciao. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. See you. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. Bye.